0: I am sin, I am evil, the words are interchangeable, and that's what we've been talking about. The last several weeks, we've been talking about the encounters with evil that we have every single day. Not just the ones that we hear about on the nightly news, or not the ones we read about in the newspaper, not just the ones we read about on the internet, but a much more personal, much more intimate source of evil that is invading every one of our lives every single day. And, and, and mind you this, please listen closely, this is true. This is not hype. This is not some kind of manipulation tool. This is reality, that evil is present in our life. Evil is personally, every one of us, individually, trying to take us down. Now, Jesus identified the source of all this evil. And in the fourth book of the New Testament, the fourth manuscript that we call John, sometimes the Gospel of John, written by one of the original 12 disciples of Jesus, Jesus declares of this source of all evil that he's a thief. John 10.10 10 says that the thief, Satan, the devil, angel of the bottomless pit, murderer, liar, has many names in scripture, none of them complimentary, says, has a sole intention, a sole purpose, a sole strategy that he never tires of, never gets distracted from, and that is to steal and to kill and destroy. That says, that's what Jesus said. He said the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. We've discovered that he comes to steal our devotion from God because the further he can get us away from God, the further he can erode our intimate relationship with God, the more power he's going to have to, dis- to kill our dreams and to destroy our destiny, and that's his ultimate aim. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been answering the question, how does Satan act? How does he steal our devotion from God, kill our dreams, and destroy our destiny? Now, the, the obvious one, the one we always look for, is the acts of devastation. You know, illness and financial trouble and relational problems and all these things that, that are very obvious when, when life seems to just really hit us so hard. But, you know, oftentimes that's just a result of sin being in the world and, and circumstances of life because really, acts of devastation, although Satan can bring those into our life, that's not his favorite weapon. In fact, it's his least favorite weapon. We discovered why. Because ultimately, when our life really gets topsy-turvy, and, 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 and things start happening, often that drives us to God, not away from God. Most of the time it does, especially in the lives of believers. That's when we're on our knees talking to God. And so he doesn't like that weapon. He prefers to use his other weapons that we discovered last week, things like discouragement. He just brings into our life a seemingly unending series of these minor setbacks that just eat at us. You know, it's like, you know, just when I thought that I would finally got out of the woods, just when I had this figured out, just when things started, and he just keeps just picking at us, stabbing us, these little discouraging actions. He loves to use the feet we learned last week. That's when he takes the times when we haven't got it right, the times when we failed in our our, our lives, when we failed God, when we failed our children, when we failed our our spouses, or we failed in the workplace. He likes to take all these times we've fallen on our face and magnify them and keep bringing them back to our attention. In the end, the lie that he wants us to believe is that when we look in the mirror, he wants us to be looking at ourselves thinking, who are you kidding? You're not God material. God can't use you. God doesn't love you. God may love other people, but not you. He loves to use doubt. He loves to bring doubt in our mind about God and his word and God's intention and God's love for us. He likes to use distractions. He keeps our lives so busy, oftentimes with good things, noble things, not not, not all bad things, but he keeps us so busy, so active that we don't have time in our lives for God. Everything else squeezes God out. He loves to use the tactic of delay to, to get us to believe that we've got plenty of time. Yeah, I know you really have a heart for God, and I know one day you really want to serve Him, but you got a lot of stuff on the table right now, and you got plenty of time. Don't worry about it. Someday you'll have the time to do that, but the problem is someday never comes. Now, beginning today, we're going to change directions. We've been learning a lot about Satan. We've been learning a lot about his strategy that he uses against us. Now, today we're going to start turning the corner. And we're going to begin to look at how God has empowered us to resist his strategies and the weapons that he has given us. Now, what are those weapons? Well, we've already seen a hint in Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus in a verse that we already looked at in this series, Ephesians 6.11. Paul declares this to Christians in Ephesus. He says, put on the armor of God. So that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes.
1: Christians prepare for glory!
0: Christians prepare for glory! We honor you, Lord.
1: Good morning, Lord. Thank you for assuring me of victory today if I will follow your battle plan. By faith, I claim victory for Florida Bible Church to be mighty warriors for the kingdom of Christ, to have clear vision of our conquest, and to stay unified in love. To prepare myself for the battle ahead by faith put on the belt of truth the truth about you Lord that you are the sovereign God you know everything about me both my strengths and weaknesses you know my breaking point and have promised not to allow me to be tempted beyond what I'm able to bear The truth about me, Lord, is that I'm a new creature in Christ and have been set free from the power of sin. I am indwelt with the Holy Spirit who will guide me and warn me when danger is near. The truth is, is that you have a purpose for me this day. Someone to encourage. Someone To share with someone to love. Next, Lord, I want to put on the breastplate of righteousness. By faith, I strap on this breastplate to guard my heart and emotions. I will not allow my heart to attach itself to anything that is impure, I will not allow my emotions to rule in my decisions. I will set them on what is right. I will set them on what is good. I will set them on what is just. I will live today by what is true, not by what I feel. Lord, this morning, I want to put on the sandals of the gospel of peace. I'm available to you, Lord. Send me where you will. Guide me to those who need encouragement or physical help of some kind. Use me to solve conflicts wherever they may arise. Make me a calming presence in every circumstance you place me. I will not be hurried or rushed, for my schedule is in your hands. I will not leave a trail of tension or apprehension. I will leave tracks of peace and stability everywhere I go. Lord, I now take up the shield of faith. My faith is in you. In you alone, apart from you, I can do nothing. With you, I can do all things. No temptation that comes my way can penetrate your protecting hand. I will not be afraid, for you are coming with me throughout this day, and when I am tempted, I will claim victory out loud, ahead of time. For you have promised victory to those who walk in obedience to your word. So by faith, I claim victory even now. Because I know there are fiery darts headed my way even as I pray. You already know what they are. And have already provided the way of escape. Lord... By faith, I put on the helmet of salvation. You know how Satan bombards my mind day and night with evil thoughts, doubt, and fear. I put on this helmet to protect my mind. I may feel the impacts of his attacks, but nothing can penetrate this helmet I choose to stop every impure and negative thought at the door of my mind. I elect to take every thought captive. I will dwell on nothing but what is right and good and pleasing to you. Lord, by faith, I now take up the sword of the Spirit, which is your word. Thank you. For the precious gift of your word. It is strong and powerful. Even able to to defeat the strongest. Of Satan's onslaughts. Your word says that I'm not under obligation. To the flesh. To obey its lust. Your word says that I'm free. From the power of sin. Your word says that he that is in me. Is greater than he that is in the world. So by faith. I take up the strong and powerful sword of the spirit which is able to defend me in time of attack, comfort me in time of sorrow, teach me in time of meditation and prevail against the enemy on behalf of others who need the truth to set them free. So, Lord, we go now rejoicing for you have chosen us to represent you in this lost and dying world. May others see Jesus in us and may Satan and his host shudder as your power is made manifest in us. In Jesus' name, we all pray. Amen.
0: Amen. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand up against the schemes of the devil. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you, Leo, for that that amazing, dramatic presentation. I want you to fix that presentation in your mind, and and I'm going to challenge you to remember it because it's an analogy that God uses in his word to teach us what our weapons are, to teach us the resources that we have to combat those daily encounters with evil, to combat Satan and his desire to steal our devotion, to kill our dreams and destroy our destiny. We have to use the armor of God because, again, we're not fighting against flesh and blood. This isn't a battle like our troops are fighting in Afghanistan. This is a battle, as the Bible tells us, against the forces of evil in the spiritual realm. Therefore, Paul, again, this was a passion for him, this great this great champion for Christianity, this great champion for Jesus Christ. He's challenging churches all over to be, to be in this, this, this battle and to be conscious of what Satan is trying to do. In his second letter that he writes to the Christians in the city of Corinth, in 2 Corinthians, which is a New Testament manuscript, in 2 Corinthians 10.4 he says, The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. We're not fighting with the weapons our troops are fighting, because we're not fighting against flesh and blood. He says, on the contrary, the weapons we have have what kind of power? Divine power. They are energized by God, and they have the power to break strongholds in our lives. Strongholds of depression, strongholds of addiction, strongholds of broken relationships. Strongholds of financial troubles and and any other trouble, of health troubles. Those things that Satan uses to discourage us, to cause us to doubt God, to focus on the failures in our life, to distract us, to delay us from ever really getting involved in the fight. Put on the full armor of God. Now, Ephesians 6.13 carries that same theme. And he says, first of all, that we've got to put on the armor of God. It's a choice that we make. And remember, we've said over and over again in this series that that kind of the bottom line and our motto is, I get to choose who controls my life. But we have to choose to put God's armor on. In the original language that this passage was written in in Greek, the Greek verb is in duo. And that word conveys the connotation of once for all action. In other words, God says that we need to put the armor on and we need to leave it on. This isn't something that we put on when we come to church on Sunday. This isn't something we put on at Christmas and around Easter. This is something that we put on and leave on and we live with all day long. We live with it when we go to work. We live with it when when we come home. We live with it when we're eating, when we're sleeping. We live with it constantly. Why? Because we are constantly under attack. But it's a choice. If we really want to have victory, if we're really serious about trying to thwart Satan's schemes in our lives, then we've got to make the decision to put the armor on. It says then we need to put the full armor of God on. We can't kind of choose and pick what we want to we want to use. We can't say, well, I like the sword, it looks pretty good, and that breastplate it looks a little heavy, I'm not going to use it. We don't get to choose. You know, soldiers today and Marines today going into combat carry quite a load. Fully packed out, it's a burden that can weigh like a hundred pounds. Now, understand, they don't go into the, uh, into the Army or the Marine Corps or the Air Force uh, pararescue or the Navy SEALs, and they say, you know, I, I don't think I want to carry that, and that doesn't look too good. They are issued what to carry, and they carry what they're issued. It's not a choice because they need everything that's given to them. If they are going to live, if they are going to defend the person in the hole next to them, they need every piece of equipment. None of it is optional. And that's exactly... The truth for Christians, if we're really going to be victorious, we can't pick and choose which weapons that we want to use. Why? We need every one of them. Because they're all designed to make war against another scheme of Satan. And so we not only need to decide to put it on, but we need to put all of it on, we need to leave it on, and we need to understand we need it every minute of every day of every week, of every month, of every year of our life until Jesus returns. Why is it so important? Because it's that armor, the verse goes on, so that when the day of evil comes. Now, notice that, that God doesn't declare to us in this passage if the day of evil comes, does he? He doesn't say, well, you know, if all of a sudden you happen to find yourself in, in this struggle and encountering evil. Now he says, when it comes. And in fact, we've already discovered that it's there every single day, isn't it? But there'll be seasons in our life when this presence of evil becomes much more impactful. There'll be seasons of our life that bring great discouragement. There'll be seasons of our life that create great doubt. There'll be times when Satan is much more impactful and effective in wielding his schemes against us than at others, and it'll seem like there's seasons in our life when everything seems to converge together, and there's an overwhelming sense of evil bearing down on us. That's not an if, it's a win. And probably most of us have already had those experiences, and many of us will have them again. But he says, you need to put it on once for all, and you need all of it because when the day of evil comes, not if the day of evil comes, you need it so that you can take your stand. Remember, this whole encountering evil, this whole strategy of Satan isn't for just the Christian church. It's just not for some movement or some organization. It's an intimate strategy. It's an intimate war, not against groups of people, but against every single individual. He's making war against you. He knows your name, and he wants to take you down. Again, the image that Paul is going to use to try to get the people of his day to understand this idea of spiritual weapons that are going to be used to fight a spiritual battle, he tries to kind of bring it down to something they can identify personally with. So he uses, as Jerry and Leo use today, the uniform of a Roman soldier. Now understand that in the life of Jesus during his time and during the life of this great uh, uh, Christian champion Paul, Uh, The Roman army ruled the world, the known world. They were the undisputed superpower of the world, and they ruled with an iron fist. So the image of a Roman soldier was very familiar to every person in Ephesus and every person in Corinth and other places in the Roman Empire. And there was no more intimidating presence than a Roman soldier fully decked out in battle gear. He's trying to get them to take this serious because there is no more intimidating force in the universe than Satan. So he takes their uniform, piece by piece, and he tries to use each piece to demonstrate another article of spiritual weaponry that God has empowered us to successfully use against Satan. Now, understand what I just said. To successfully use... Not in some kind of vain hope, some kind of vain vain challenge. Because we, the Bible says, are more than conquerors. That's who we are. So he starts the whole thing off with the most fundamental piece of weaponry that a Roman soldier had. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14, he says, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Now, the Roman's initial layer of garment in his uniform was the tunic that he wore, and it was really nothing more than a big square piece of of cloth, usually red in color, with with a hole cut in the middle for the head and, and two holes cut for the arms, and they would drape it over their body like we would use a poncho today. Now, obviously, in a day when warfare was was fighting with swords and, and daggers and arrows and spears and shields and all that kind of thing, the last thing a soldier needed was some floppy kind of garment just flopping around that he might catch something on and, and therefore give his enemy an advantage in that moment. So the first piece of weaponry a Roman soldier would put on would be this belt. And the belt was designed for two purposes. One was so that they could get ready for battle. They could tuck all that material in, and they would check each other out, kind of like you might see pictures of our soldiers and Marines do today. They're, they're fastening down each other's hardness, and they're checking each other's uniform out, and getting them ready for battle, making sure everything is in place, and everything is quickly available to that that warrior. They would have their sword on that belt. That belt had leather strips in the front, and when you had thousands marching together, those leather strips Hitting each other would would create a, a sound of terror in the ears of their enemy. The belt was the foundational piece of armor. And it was the key to the rest of the armor. Later, as they began to develop the breastplate, the breastplate would be fastened to that belt to keep it down so it didn't rise up and choke them in battle. But it was a fundamental piece of weaponry, as it is today. Every soldier, every Marine, every Navy SEAL wears a belt that has ammunition cartridges and, and, and different weapons that are hanging off that, and without that belt, they're in trouble. And we have a belt of truth, and without that belt, we're in trouble in our war with Satan. So what is the belt of truth? What is that spiritual weapon that we need to wield against Satan? Well, as Jerry Our Roman soldier said today, it's the truth of God and it's the truth of God's word. But in this specific example, in this specific analogy, it's more the truth about us. And specifically, it's the truth about our commitment to Jesus Christ and his kingdom. It implies total commitment as a Christian. Total commitment as a son of God. Total commitment as a daughter of God. Total commitment as a warrior in God's army. It's tragic when a soldier entertains a dual commitment. We saw it not long ago in Fort Hood, Texas, when a major in the United States Army who one day took the oath of of service I solemnly swear to defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, both foreign and domestic. He made that oath. He entered the United States Army as an officer. And yet he had a dual commitment. On the other side, he was committed to radical Islam. And so one day, he took a weapon and went on a shooting spur and killed 13 of his fellow soldiers and wounded 32 more. In warfare, there's no room for dual commitments. In warfare, there's no room for a double minded soldier. There's only room for total commitment, authentic, genuine commitment to the cause. That's what the belt represents. David the second king of Israel one of the greatest warriors of God who has ever walked on earth knew the importance of total commitment in the battle and periodically he would actually challenge God to test him to see if he really was totally committed it wasn't uncommon at all as we see here in this verse in, in Psalms an old testament manuscript chapter 26 verse 2 through 3 when David says this he says Test me, O Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and my mind. He says, for your love is ever before me, and I walk continually in your truth. He says this to God. He says, God, he said, you test me. You try me. You who are omniscient and can see far past the behavior of man, you can see into the heart of man. You can see into the mind of man. You check my heart, the core, that, that center of who we are. And you, don't, and you see if it's committed to you. You check my mind. He says, God, here's what you'll find if you check me out, if you examine me. He says, you'll find that your love is ever before me and I walk continually in your truth. As I was contemplating that passage and its application to my own life this week, I gotta tell you, it was a sobering, experience. I said, could I really authentically, sincerely fall on my knees before God and say, God, you test me. You search my heart. You search my mind, God. And here's what you're going to find. You're going to find that I am 100% totally committed to you. Could you pray that prayer? Do we really have the belt of truth on? It's the committed Christian. Just as it's the committed athlete or the committed soldier who is prepared to win. You can't walk into this thing. You can't just walk through this warfare or you're going to get taken down. You're going to get taken out. You're not going to win. I think of Mark Spitz, or Mark Spitz, of, uh, who's that? Michael Phelps, Phelps, thank you. The greatest swimmer in in Olympic history. You know, I'd listen to his training regimen as he would describe it. I'd get up at 4.30 in the morning every single day, seven days a week, and head down to the pool and work out for hours before he'd get on with anything else in the day. And he would do it over and over again, day after day, day after day. And he gave up so many things that other children did and so many things that other teenagers did because he had a single purpose, and that was to win, to be the best swimmer in the world. And because of his total commitment, he got to stand on that podium at the Olympics more than any other person in history. And here, the national anthem play as he was, received his gold or silver medal. It's the Christian who is totally committed to win the battle with evil who will win that battle. That Christian, that soldier who embraces a duplicity of commitment is not going to be strong enough to win. It's the army or the team who most wants to win who is the most likely to do so. You know, we've talked a lot here recently about how our culture is is consuming our faith and how our culture is trying to squeeze Christianity out of the public arena, how it's trying to demean it, how it's trying to cause doubt about it, how it's trying to silence it. And, And here's the amazing thing, that all this is going on and, be driven, and being driven by a minority of people. The vast majority of people in our country, a country that was founded as one nation under God, a country that was founded on Christian principles, not just religious principles, for the advancement of the Christian faith, now is being totally changed, totally altered. And sadly... I think if we're honest with ourselves, one of the driving reasons that the enemy has been so successful is they've been more committed to the cause to silence Christianity than we've been committed to our boldness of faith. The belt of truth. It's where it starts. Whose army are you in? Who has your allegiance? Are we warriors in the army of God? Or is God kind of a hobby, a pastime, something we do on the weekend, something that that we do to make us feel good? So we're at war. And God, today, is looking to enlist warriors who will put the belt of truth on. Is it easy? No. And one of the reasons it's so hard is because the war we're caused to fight and the leader we're caused to follow, we can't see with our physical eyes, we don't hear with our audible ears, we can't touch with our senses. But that doesn't mean he's not real. That doesn't mean that he's not victorious in the end. Kind of the mantra of our series is this. We've said this over and over again together. I get to choose who controls my life. I get to choose that. But let me ratchet it up one more notch today and give you this reality. Not only do I get to, I've got to choose who's going to control my life. Here's a time. Now's the day. Now's the opportunity. Here's where the rubber meets the road. If you are going to get equipped, if you're going to put the weapons on, it's got to start with the belt of truth because if that isn't in place, the other weapons won't work. Listen. God is inviting you to be a powerful warrior in his eternal army. Get this. And if we enlist, if we put the belt on, if we go all in, it's not a matter of if we win the battle, the battle's won. It's already finished. It's just in the process now. How many football players would love to be on the team that's guaranteed to win the Super Bowl? How many basketball players would love to be on the basketball team that's guaranteed to win the national championship? How many baseball players would love to be on a baseball team guaranteed to win the pennant? Well, listen, you're guaranteed to win eternal life. You're guaranteed for rewards that God wants to not just give you but lavish on you. And you are guaranteed the final victory. It is yours. but it's going to involve total commitment. It's going to take putting that belt on. Now, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. That belt gets heavy. That belt's not easy to wear. That belt doesn't mean everything's just going to go sweet and perfect and just kind of glide through life. It's going to be the exact opposite. Because the better warrior you become, you graduate from being an enlisted person. And now you're, you're, you're in a, a more elite area. And pretty soon, you're God's Navy SEAL. You're God's Green Beret. You're God's Ranger. And you're going to be sent into the thickest part of the battle. But God won't send you there until you're ready to fight it. And God won't send you there without giving you the power to be victorious. And the thicker the battle and the harder the course, guess what? The greater the reward and just as we sit here today, we will stand before Jesus Christ. And one day we will be given rewards for the way that we have used this life, for the commitment that we've really held for the cause of Jesus Christ. And my passion for you, and I'll be quite anxious, or are, are honest, I'll be selfish in this. My passion for me is that when we stand before him and we look at him eye to eye, we'll see a smile on his face. And we'll hear him say those words that will mean more than any other words our ears had ever heard to that moment. We'll hear him say, welcome home. Welcome home, warrior. Welcome home, good and faithful servant. He's going to say, look what I've prepared for you. Look what I've got for you. And he'll lavish, not just give me a trinket, lavish eternal rewards, eternal opportunities upon those who fought the fight. Do you have the belt on? Let's bow our heads. The belt of truth. Have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Have you enlisted in the army of God? Who controls your destiny? Are you still trying to control your ultimate destiny? Are you still hoping that somehow you can be a good enough guy, a good enough gal? That God's going to look at you and say, my, my, aren't you special? Well, you, you just come on right into my kingdom. Well, so many of us live under that delusion. Delusion. But the truth of the matter is that doesn't work. Why do I know it doesn't work? Because if that worked, Jesus never had to come to our earth. He never had to come to this world. He never had to die on the cross. God could have just said, good luck, give it your best shot. We'll see how it turns out. But God knew that none of us could ever live a good enough life to inherit eternal life, to earn eternal life. So God sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross in our place so that through him, we might be made the righteousness of God. I wonder, have you put on the belt of that truth? The belt of the truth of Jesus Christ, that he alone is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one's coming to the Father except through him? If not, God's having an enlistment service right now, and he's ready to take you into his family, into his kingdom, into his army, and all it's going to require from you is for you to transfer your confidence from yourself onto Jesus Christ and what he's already done on the cross. I wonder if you're here today and you don't have the assurance of where you're going to spend eternity. You're trying to do the best job you can. You hope maybe you'll get into heaven, but you don't know that. And right now, the Holy Spirit of God is bearing witness with your spirit that you need this forgiveness, that you need this first step of faith. While no one's looking around, I won't embarrass you in any way. But if right now you know That not just that I'm talking to you, but that God's talking to you. And you need this forgiveness. You need to establish this relationship of truth. No one's looking around. Would you raise your hand? Just say, Pastor, that's me. Pray for me. That's me. I've never trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. All right, church, look up at me. According to our testimony, every one of us have trusted Christ. So we've already made that first step. Now the second step is, where's the belt? Is it hanging on the back of the door somewhere? Or is it fastened securely around your waist? Today, if you've taken that belt off, and you've taken the other armor off, or maybe you've never really put it on, good news, fresh start. God's here today, and he says, welcome aboard. Let's put that belt on. And let's get you on track. Let's put you in basic training. Let, let me help you understand the weapons that you have. Let me help you to understand that God has already made you a victor. He's made you a great conqueror. He's made you a great warrior. You just don't know it yet. God says, raise your right hand, repeat after me. I do solemnly swear to affirm and defend the word of God the character of Jesus Christ against all enemies, both foreign and eternal. Let's fight. Let's put the belt on. Let's be authentic. Let's be genuine. Let's take our place on the firing line. Father, bless us. Anoint us with your presence, with your power. God, use us for your glory. God, excite our hearts about the opportunity we have. We're on the winning team. We're on the winning team. We're on the winning team. We've read the end of the book. You win, and because we are with you, we win with you. God, help us to to take seriously everything that we're learning and help us now to go through basic trainer, or maybe for some of us go through a refresher course And help us now to put on these weapons. And Lord, help us to stand against the encounters of evil that come our way. Not for just our protection. Not just for our welfare, but for the glory of your kingdom. May you be glorified in our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And all God's warriors said, Amen. 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 Now, the next two weeks, we're going to finish up this series. We're going to finish up with our weapons. We're going to learn more what they are, and we're going to learn that God has made us victors. It's the most exciting part. I hope you'll be back. But let's leave here committed. A new purpose, a new bounce in our step, and let's get out there, and let's win the battle. Amen? Amen? Amen. Thank you for being here today. Remember, on your way out, to, to give your tithes and offerings, our, our gifts of financial commitment to the Lord. And let me brag on you. We had a business meeting in January, January last month, and we gave you a new challenge. And went the month of January, you blew it away. You gave and you exceeded that budget. <laughs> Listen, I, I want you to get excited about what God's doing because God's doing some amazing things. Look around us here today. We're about 80% capacity in here this morning. At 9.30, we were probably 70% capacity. Last night, Saturday night, we had a full house over in the multi-purpose room. God is bringing people. God is working in this church. And our greatest days are ahead of us if we put that belt on and keep it on and stand side by side and go to war. And we can reach this community for Jesus Christ. And we can reach people around the world for Jesus Christ. There are so many exciting things happening. I'm one of these guys that, you know, when I buy a gift for somebody, I want to tell them what it is before they open it. And there's so many exciting things happening. that I just want to tell you all, but but I got to do it when when the time is right. I'm telling you, the greatest days are ahead of us. Let's get excited. Let's do it. Thanks. See you next week. Have a great week in Jesus Christ. Be a warrior for him. Those who can stay and help with the chairs, please do. So God bless you. Have a great week.